You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. We are stewarding a prophetic word on expanding territory. The Lord said this year was a First Chronicles 4.10 year. Oh, that he would bless us indeed, expand our territory, put his hand of favor upon us and keep us from evil. This summer we're expanding territory in relationships. And just to be honest with you, we schedule messages and sermons out months and months in advance and I wasn't scheduled to preach today, but things change. And so a week ago I went to the trail and I started asking the Lord, what's your heart for this moment in this service and the moment I begin to ask him and pray in the Holy Ghost because God speaks to you when you pray in the Holy Ghost he gives you revelations he gives you uh, mysteries and he speaks to you and the moment I begin to ask him and pray he said this phrase to me do not hinder the children from coming to me And instantly I was reminded of Luke chapter 18 where there's a story of children that were trying to access Jesus. And it says this in Luke 18 verse 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him, Jesus, that he might just touch them. When his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to them saying, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Someone say, don't hinder them. So for such the kingdom belongs to them. Verse 17, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child should not enter it. So the disciples are rebuking people for bringing kids to Jesus. Now that word rebuke, this is interesting. In the Greek is the word epidemeo. Epidemeo is the word honor watch this the disciples are honoring these children but they're not assigning the proper value honor means to assign heaven's value this is wild because the same word that the disciples used to rebuke parents is the same word that Jesus used to rebuke demons See, there's a problem in America where we don't understand honor. So we don't assign the proper value to things. So we tolerate demons and then we try to rebuke parents for bringing their children to Jesus. Jesus was showing them, no, no, let me show you how you properly assign value on these children. Let me give you some practical advice. Parents, make sure that you're honoring your children well. Make sure that you're assigning heaven's value onto them. I remember when I was writing my book, Gay Awareness, I had someone reach out to me and tell me their story. And she said, I, I, I lived a lesbian lifestyle for years. I, I grew up in the things of God, but I rebelled against God. And she said something that was powerful. She said, my mother would never acknowledge me being gay or the woman I considered to be my wife. She said she loved me. She would do thanksgivings with me. She was kind, but she would never call the woman I called my wife, my wife. Watch. She would never partner with the value that wasn't heaven's value. 
Let me pastor you for a second. Some of you are speaking over your family and children what the world says over them, maybe what demonic spirits have said over them, but God's word doesn't say over them. Your job as a parent, let me help you parents, your job is not to be their friend. Your job, watch, is to lead them in the way they should go. This woman said this to me. She said, if my mother ever affirmed me in my compromise, I would still be in the lifestyle today. But because she refused to partner with a value that wasn't from heaven, she said, now I'm saved, I'm delivered, I'm married, and I'm raising my own children in God's house. God puts a tremendous value on children because he puts a tremendous value, watch this, on innocence. When he said, you must be like a child to enter the kingdom of God, that word like a child, here's what God is saying. He said, you must be innocent like children. God puts a tremendous value on innocence. We see the gravity of it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. He says this, but whoever causes one of these little ones or innocent ones to stumble or to fall into sin, it would be better for them to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. This is sweet little nice Jesus talking. This is the one that on social media they say, would Jesus say that? I've been to Israel many times. It's my favorite place in the world. Pastor Bob gave me this painting of, of the Western Wall that's in my office. It used to be his painting, and now it's mine. It's my favorite place in the entire world. And one of the trips I was there, there was this giant rock. I mean, it was probably eight feet wide. And, and, and the tour guide said, look, that's a millstone. He said, if this is tied around you, you're not coming up. You know what's interesting about that? Is that the Jews did not have drowning people as part of their, part of their capital punishment protocol. The Greeks and the Romans did. You know what God was saying? He said, remember when the children of Israel, the children, the innocent children of Israel were going out of the promised land? Do you remember when Pharaoh tried to come and steal from them and steal their innocence? He said, you remember that? He said, when they were crossing dry ground on a miracle, crossing the Red Sea, he said, when they were coming after my children, I took care of them by closing in the Red Sea around them. Jesus was saying, don't mess with God's children. There was a great value God put on his children. He said, don't hinder them. You know what that means to not hinder them? It means this, don't hinder their personal communication. Jesus said, I want to communicate. I want to be with the children, or watch, the innocent ones. Do you know why there's such a value God puts on innocence? Because those that are innocent are intimate with God. John Paul Jackson used to say it like this. He would say, never lose your awe or wonder of God. 
Even as adults, don't lose that awe factor, that wonder. You know, children are just asking questions all the time. And what about this? And how come this? And what about that? And, and who made this? And, and my, my son Preston is, is going into second grade and he's just full of all these questions. And God, what about heaven? And will this be in heaven? Will that be in heaven? Will we live together in heaven? They're just asking. There's just this awe and wonder, these questions about who God is. But something happens as you become an adult where you lose this awe and wonder. The prophet Habakkuk said it like this. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. But repeat them in our day, in, in our time. Make them known. In your wrath, remember mercy. Do you realize that you are, were originally made innocent? We see this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. It talks about Adam and Eve. They were created naked. Theologians believe that the, there was the glory of God or the presence of God around them which was clothing them, but they actually had no clothes on according to Genesis 3-7. They didn't need clothes because they were clothed in the glory of God. They were made to be innocent. Now this is interesting because these are grown adults that are naked and innocent. It's kind of weird when you think about it. Because when you think about a grown adult, you're like, ah. But if you think about children, they're naked all the time. And they don't care because they're innocent. You ever lost a naked child before? <laughs> you know when they're running around the house and the mailman opens the door and all of a sudden just, you're just running out like, ah, I lost one. Like, they don't know. They're innocent. But think about this. A grown, mature adult that is naked and is unaware because that's how innocent they are. And they walk and talk with God as a friend in the garden with nothing to interrupt their intimacy with God. Huh. There is a war on innocence right now. There's a war on innocence because there's a war on your intimacy. There's been an intentional attack by the enemy, a strategy for your innocence to access your intimacy. John 10.10 says it like this, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Do you realize the enemy will do anything he can to take your intimacy with God through your innocence? Young people, he'll try to get you to be sleeping with people that are not your spouse to destroy the intimacy of your marriage. Gentlemen, he will try to keep you bound in pornography so that you cannot be intimate with your wife. There's this tact of the enemy that is on the innocence of people. And you used to have to go through your television boxes. Now it doesn't have to go through your television boxes. It goes right through your phone and has direct access into your life at any time with perversion. Isn't it interesting? that you can't even swipe on social media now without seeing images and ads that are designed to take your innocence and destroy your intimacy. And usually right now someone says, ah, you're just being a little too preachy. You know, I, 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 I don't want to push my beliefs too much on people. Have you not been a part of Pride Month? where you can't go into your favorite restaurant without going through the, all of the rainbow flags and pink and blue flags that they set up as an obstacle course before you buy a taco? 
Hold on. You don't want to be too preachy. It's amazing that the world's religion, America's religion, is now Baal worship. And their worship is now sexuality, but you don't want to be too preachy. As they put you through uh, uh, HR training to make sure you give the proper pronouns to people, but you don't want to be too preachy. Oh, pastor, that's hateful. That's mean. That's not Christ-like. No, no, no. What you really mean is you've never raised your voice in disapproval to the nation's sin. You only raise your voice against other Christians that are bold and not timid like you. What you really mean is you're lukewarm. What you really mean is you're compromised. What you really mean is you don't read your Bible. What you really mean is you're not intimate with the Lord. You've prophesied in his name. You dance at the altar. You do all of these other things, but you really don't know him. What you really like doing is to appease your conscience of lukewarmness. You like attacking other Christians that are bold and calling their boldness arrogance because you're really timid. It's quiet in this spirit-filled church. It's amazing to me that everyone gets an opinion, but believers? Oh, I was called every name there is to be called this week. I haven't been cursed out like that since Heather and I were recently married. Joking. I was called a white nationalist. I was called a narcissist. I was called arrogant, prideful. I was called every name there is in the book. My favorite one was, oh yeah, another white guy telling women what to do with their bodies. I'm sorry, I guess I'll identify as a female swimmer so I can have an opinion. truth is, is you pretend that you're a loving Christian, but the truth is you just became tolerant. Do you know tolerance is not a fruit of the Spirit? Isn't it interesting that they preached tolerance for you for a decade so then that you would adapt to the, 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 the sexual propaganda, that they, you would adapt to the stealing of innocence that's happening today? It was 10 years of indoctrination to teach you to be tolerant, to teach you to be quiet, to teach you to be a silent Christian. Watch, they've manipulated you turning the other cheek to people to turning the other cheek to demonic principalities. And as you can see from our friends in the media in Fort Worth, they will love you as long as you shut up. They will love you as long as you stay in your church. They will love you as long as you don't expand territory. The truth is this, we have become tolerant. And you call it loving. As you let your friends go to hell by the groves. 
Why you let them stay in bondage? Why you let them stay broken? Why you just tolerate sin? You tolerate perversion? You know what the Bible says about tolerance? I'm glad you asked. Heather preached it last night. Put it up on the screen. Revelations 2 says this. It says, I have this against you. This is Jesus speaking. So when everyone says, what would Jesus say or do? This is what he said and do. He came back to the, the church of the old, uh, of the New Testament church. This is the book of Revelation, the end days church, and says, I have this against you. You have tolerated this woman, Jezebel. You have tolerated sexual perversion. You have tolerated this seductive spirit. And he said this, I have given you time to repent, but you are unwilling. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the lukewarm, spits you out of your mouth, compromised, pronoun in your header, church. He says, you've become tolerant. Why have you become tolerant? Isn't it amazing that you're offended with me right now, but you're not offended with your streaming service? Oh, that pastor, I can't believe that he would say those things. I like the pastors that won't tell me the truth and can tell me I can live my best life now. See, here, the problem is this, is we have grown, we've become seduced by, Scripture calls it the tickling ears teaching that tells people what they want to hear. Do you know that's the fastest way that you lose your anointing? Do you know James says, if I'm trying to please people, if I'm trying to win the approval of people, I'm not a servant of Christ. Do you know the moment I start working for you, I stop working for him? I had someone post this week and say, I was gonna come to your church. But after seeing your hateful posts, those hateful posts where I post scripture. After seeing your hateful post, I'm not gonna come to your church. I said, if a post bother you, mercy culture is not for you. I said, if my posts offend you, wait till you hear a sermon. I said, you know what the truth is? I said, God sent me to the city. He called me and I'm not auditioning to be your pastor. I'm on an assignment. I'm not trying out for you. I'm called to spiritually lead in this city. You know what the problem is? Is we don't have spiritual leaders because they're too busy trying to be liked by people. You know what? I, I want God to like me much more than I want you to like me. Listen, here's the problem. Whenever you have a pastor that's liked too much, he becomes a celebrity. And when you have a celebrity pastor, their goal is to be liked like people and for them to become famous and not God to be famous. So what happens with all the scriptures that tell you that you'll be hated, persecuted, lied about, and all of these things, but blessed are you. James says, be weary when men only speak good about you. People liking you is not the litmus test for you being anointed. You know, we have people coming, I don't know about worship, mercy culture. I don't, you didn't even do songs. The songs weren't even on the screen. And, and, and the worship leaders, they didn't even look at us. They didn't even smile at me. How come they're looking away? Because they're not worshiping for you. They're worshiping in front of you.
Huh, this worship's not for you. This sermon isn't for you. This church isn't for you. And it's amazing because anytime you built it around a narcissistic pastor or you build it around a spiritually immature body, you will have a dysfunctional church. But when you build it around the presence of God, when it is for him, when it's to please him, when the desire is for him, God shows up. Huh. That's why we pray every single week. We're not making room for the Holy Spirit. We're giving him the room. Somebody put your hands together and just give God the room for about 30 seconds. Somebody just shout, it's for you. There's been a war on our innocence from the beginning. People say women were the first one to fall. Thank you, scholar. When the truth is, is women were just the first ones to be attacked. Oh, because the moment Adam was attacked, he fell too, huh? So what does the Bible say in Genesis chapter 3? Who was attacked first? The woman. Oh, I'll get to that why in a second. But when the woman saw, verse 6, that the tree was good and the food was pleasing to the eye and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, she took the fruit and she ate it. The war on women began in the beginning. The war did not start in the 2000s on women. The war began in the beginning. And it's amazing that we can't define a woman when we're determining who should play sports. But when Roe v. Wade is overturned, all of a sudden we could define women again. So let me help you define a woman. A woman is the one with the womb. The war on innocence begins, watch this, in the womb. Let me show you why. Genesis 3, verse 15. This is God saying, I will put enmity or war between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Look at this. The war on women is a war out of what will come from your womb. And let me just give a warning right now in this church. If you don't know abortion is wrong, you don't know God. Do you know why there was just a lame clap right there? Because half the church doesn't know this. And you've replaced it with your opinion and your worldly indoctrination. And because you don't know God and you don't know God's word, you don't know what God says or thinks. So people jump on social media and speak for God and have no scripture to back it up. People jump on social media, I just feel so bad for all of those mothers right now, they're gonna have to have children. 
and they insert their opinions. I gave a warning this week. Be very, very careful right now. Who is not celebrating this miracle? Be very, very careful right now for pop stars that pretend to be spiritual leaders that sing songs about God but have no intimate relationship with him. Be weary right now of false teachers that will tell like a false prophet what people want to hear. These same people cannot give you one scripture to back up their stance. Do you know why? Because it's not God's. It's not God's stance. Here's what God, he, he, let me just say this. It, it just, this is just a good old rule of thumb to, as you grow and you're weighing when there's these cultural wars going on in America and in your world. Here, here's the thing. If, if wicked world leaders, if corrupt godless politicians, if, 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 if there's evil celebrities and the church of Satan all agree on the same side, If you have more common ground with the church of Satan than you do the church of Jesus Christ, you're on the wrong side. The level of quietness you hear is the level of confusion that's in the church. And if you want there to be a warfare in a sermon, preach on money, preach on sexual perversion, or preach on abortion. Preach about what people worship. So here's the thing, the problem is, is Christianity is not your religion, it's Baal worship. And sacrificing of babies is the worship service of Baal. This is a demonic sacrifice that the satanic church just put out an article saying, no, 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 you can't outlaw abortions. It's a part of our worship. Can I just give you scripture to help some of those that are struggling right now? Jeremiah 1.5, before I, God, formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. Watch, I appointed you as a prophet of the nation. I don't want you to hear, I don't want you to hear harsh right now, but this is gonna be hard. I'm gonna share with you biblically why some of you are having a hard time with abortion. Why you're not rejoicing. Why there's this tug of war in you. And here's why. I say this in love and in kindness as a spiritual father, but remember, it's, it's only hate speech when you hate hearing it. I say this, listen, I, I, I'm trying to father you. The reason why you have a hard time is because you're carnal and worldly. That's why. So there's this wrestle with you because you're not fully submitted to the Lordship of Jesus in his word. If there's not an immediate celebration in you, it means part of you doesn't belong to God. I'm gonna read you from the text, James 4, 4. I'm gonna read the Amplified for you. It says this, you adulterous, disloyal sinners flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend that is loving the things of the world is being God's enemy. 
So whoever chooses to be the friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Let me tell you why there's so much warfare on abortion. It's similar to this prophetic word that we're stewarding this year and why we've encountered so much warfare. Who's encountered a little warfare this year? Okay, bring it, watch. Here's why. Because there's warfare when you begin to expand territory. Watch, wombs expand territory. Women, let me show you why there's such a great war on you and your womb. There's such a great war on you and your womb because only women with wombs can carry two spirits at a time. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. Look at God, Jeremiah says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Watch, you are, not, isn't it interesting when they talk about abortion, they're only talking about what they consider it to be in that moment? where they call it a fetus, where they call it a lump of cells, whatever they call it, but what they do not say is the spirit that's in this womb. Watch, the purpose that's in this womb. Watch this, women, only you can carry two kingdom purposes at one time. There's no one else on the planet that can steward two kingdom purposes, two kingdom destinies at the same time. Ah. And let me just pass to you for a moment because this is, you have to understand the strategic attack of the enemy. See, abortion was created by wicked people that actually tried to intentionally eradicate black people. They put abortion clinics in black neighborhoods. They partnered with compromised false teacher pastors in the black community. And here's what they did is they partnered with evil to eradicate the black community. Oh, 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 you have to understand this because there's so many people that are saying, oh, there's gonna be such hardship for people. There's gonna be, so you're gonna take people's dreams and destinies away. You're gonna ruin people's lives. Hold on, by saving people's lives, we're gonna ruin people's lives. Here's what they're not saying. No, 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 no. There's greatness in the black community. There's destiny in the black community. There's purpose in the black community. Watch, we're protecting future doctors, lawyers, inventors, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, men and women of God. They're gonna advance the kingdom in the earth. Listen, the black community needs to hear that you got a church that's standing with you, a multicultural church of black, brown, and white that will fight for the purposes of God in your life. You have to understand this. I, I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry. It's because it's hot in here because we have an AC unit down because there's supply chain issues because elections matter. Watch, 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 watch. Someone shout purpose. There's purpose on your life. So when the enemy wants to go after the purpose on a life, it goes after the womb. 
This is what this is what the enemy did. The enemy did this in, 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 in the Old Testament with Moses. When there was a prophecy of a deliverer that was coming out of the people, they went after all of the babies in the book of Exodus to try to stop the kingdom's purpose in the earth. When Herod heard there was another king that would not bow to him, he went after the purposes of God by going throughout after all the babies in the earth. Watch, when the enemy wants to destroy the purpose on a people, on a nation, on someone. It will go after the purpose in the womb. You need to understand what God's word says. There's so much confusion. I'm gonna show you one scripture that sums it all up. It's Proverbs 6. If you have anyone that's curious about what God thinks or what God's heart is, God made it abundantly clear in his word. Proverbs 6, put it up on the screen. It talks about an abomination. And abortion is an abomination because there are six things God hates. Don't clap, just listen. He says this, he hates the shedding of innocent blood. He hates the shedding of innocent blood. That's God's heart. Be very careful. He does not hate you. He hates evil. Hold on. We have to be spiritually mature enough to know, to know we are warring against principalities and strongholds. Watch. Why loving people in the process. So there's many people in this room. And I celebrate you for sitting through this service that you have fallen into the compromise, that you've fallen into the lie, that you've allowed your innocence to be stolen and participated in abortion. And I want you to know emphatically without a shadow of a doubt, there's no question about it, God is madly in love with you. Watch, there is no sin on the planet that his mercy will not cover. The scripture says it's new every morning and it extends as far as the east is from the west. Do not mishear this preacher today. Listen, every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And if it was not by his grace and mercy, where would we be today? So why does God hate abortion so much? Or a better question is, is why does the enemy hate us and babies so much? And it is simple because we are the image of God in the earth. Genesis chapter three or Genesis one says we are made in the image of God. There's only two genders. God made the male and female in his image. So here we are, watch. The enemy knows if he can get to the innocence of the mother, he has full access to innocence of the children. He's tried to distract you in your marriage. He's tried to distract you as an adult so he can go after the innocence of our children. Church, there is a war right now on the innocence of our children where we can't go see a PG movie anymore without the indoctrination of perversion where Disney now is on purpose trying to, 
trying to steal the innocence of your children. We don't need to go see a Buzz Lightyear movie and see a same-sex relationship. Our children don't need that in their lives. Listen, they don't need to be confused if they are a boy or girl anymore. They don't need, listen, to have their innocence taken from them when they go and use the bathroom. We're having pornography in our school. This is an indoctrination. Target is now targeting our children with pride lines. Listen, you think that this is coincidental? This is an absolute war on the innocent of our children. Listen, children do not need to know what their teacher's sexual preference are. There's a stealing of the innocence that's happening in the world today. Listen, in our most innocent are being targeted. Kids don't need to go to drag club, pray, gay pride parade. Isn't it interesting that a few years ago it was about pride parades and this year was all about bringing your children to them? So you can see half naked people dancing in front of children. There's a war on our innocence. Watch this. And moms, if the devil can steal your innocence, he can have theirs. Why you've been distracted by your innocence stolen. The enemy has free reign on your children. Now there's a scripture that I was having a hard time with. It's back to Genesis chapter three, put it up on the screen where God says that he put in, in the amenity or he put war between the serpent and the woman. And I was wrestling with this because when I read it, I said, God, why did you put war between the woman and the serpent? I was having a hard time with this. But this is important you understand that foolish people, when they don't understand God's word, they think God's word's wrong. When wise people don't understand God's word, they pray for the heart of the Father, the mind of Christ, to understand what God's saying. So I said, Lord, I don't understand. Why did you put war? And I read this again. He said, I will put war between you and the woman. Here's what God showed me, is he put the woman on the front lines of the war. Women, you were made for war. Watch this. De Havilland, this is why they tried to suppress you for so long. Darling, this is why they told you to be quiet for so long. This is why they tried to suppress women preachers for so long. This is why they tried to shove them out of their place of authority for so long. They tried to keep them be quiet for so long. Watch, because women, you are on the front lines of this war of defending the innocence of our children. And there is a rise, there is a movement of women happening in the earth today. And it's not a movement of perversion, it's a movement of purity. It's not a, a movement of sexuality, it's a movement of holiness where the women of the church will arise. Somebody just for 30 seconds give God a hand praise. Someone just worship him for what he's doing right now on the earth. What he's doing in you, what he's doing in your family. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise in this house. reason why he's attacking innocence so much is because through your innocence he gets your intimacy remember Adam and Eve had free reign in the garden until they lost their innocence then they were removed from the garden or they were removed from intimacy the enemy knows if he has your innocence he has your intimacy you got to hear this the enemy knows if he has your innocence he has your intimacy let's go back to our first text Genesis chapter 25 I'm gonna do my very best to wrap this up quickly it says in Genesis chapter 5, this is the story, 
For anyone who's new to the faith of Abraham, Abram was the father of the faith. God spoke to him and said, I'm going to give you uh, uh, more, more children, offspring that you can count. God promised him a promised land. Not only did he promise him a promised land, but he promised him a son. That son was Isaac. His wife was buried for over 30 years. And the Bible says that even though his wife was buried, he, he, that God gave him this promise. So Isaac was the promise. So now we have Genesis chapter 25, the God of Abram, Isaac. We're talking about Isaac. Isaac is walking in the promise of his is God, but look at even though he was the miracle child that, that was born to his mother in old age that Abram brought to the altar and God told him to relent from sacrificing, but because he was obedient, it was going to be fulfilled for generations. But Isaac is struggling with the same attack that came to his dad, even though his dad broke through. So now his wife is barren, Rebecca is barren, but the Bible says that Isaac prayed and when he prayed God showed up and answered Bible says that barrenness can be a beautiful thing because barrenness will draw you into intimacy we see Sarah was barren in Genesis 18 Hannah was barren in 1 Samuel chapter 2 Elizabeth in Luke 1 and Rebecca here in Genesis 25, and all of them learn how to trust God and pursue God in intimacy. His wife became pregnant. And the Bible says that as she was pregnant, that the children in verse 22 of Genesis 25 wrestled or struggled in the womb. That word struggle means to crush one another. That it was so painful of the war that was in her womb, she went and inquired and asked God what it was about. Let me just give you some practical advice. When you need an answer from God, write the question down and ask it out loud. Over and over and over in my time of prayer, when I have questions, I write questions down and I ask God. And time and time and time again, he speaks. Here's what God said, verse 23. Two nations are in your womb, not two fetuses. Watch, no, this is what God says over the womb. There's two nations and two peoples. Then he goes on to say, one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Go down to verse 29. It says, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Someone say exhausted. You know, one of the ways the enemy tries to steal your, in, your intimacy and your innocence is through your exhaustion. Do you know majority of pastors fail after church services and conferences? When they're tired? Do you know most marriages have breaks of trust and faithfulness when they've been contending in faith and they're tired? Do you know that burnout is impossible when you daily encounter in Sabbath well? You know, burnout is something that we have to get out of the vocabulary of the church. And here's what God said. The strategy that this, the enemy used was through his exhaustion and through his dishonor of something called the birthright. Someone say birthright. Look at verse 31. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau replied, verse 32, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me now? 
the birthright was the right of innocence to the eldest son that resembled the authority and the favor of the father it was attached to a double portion the birthright was a sacred right with the ceremony to pass down watch intimacy with the father to his son now this is really important because this birthright meant there was this connection that someone had with the father this birthright was about intimacy this birthright was about a connection with god the birthright was a right of innocence a right of relationship and intimacy and here's what esau said he said what good is my innocence my birthright when i have other needs this birthright resembled innocence because the birthright could only go to the son that was the rightful wife. The birthright did not go to concubines' children. The birthright did not go to prostitutes' children. It only went to the wife that there was innocence with. The birthright is a connection of innocence. But watch this. The only way that the birthright would be forfeited is if there was a lack of purity. Where Reuben was the oldest son, but he didn't get the birthright because of his perversion. Watch, the birthright was supposed to be connected to an eldest son, but the son could have forfeited it with perversion. So watch, Esau was willing to trade his birthright, his covenant, his connection and intimacy with his father for something so cheap as a moment of self-gratification. Where Esau traded his innocence, watch this, he traded his innocence for a bowl of stew. Now the Bible is very clear that it was a stew. A stew's not a soup. What a stew has that a soup doesn't have is a stew has meat or flesh. Esau said, I will sell my innocence for this moment with flesh. I will give up my intimacy with the Father for this moment of self-gratification or for this moment in the flesh. Now, now, this is not just metaphorical. This was not me just connecting the dots between stew, meat, and flesh. Because here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, that no one is sexually immoral or, or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. Hebrews goes on to tell us this wasn't just he was a man that compromised with meat. This was a man that compromised with sex. 
This was an immoral man, watch, who compromised over and over and over and had a lifestyle of compromise. And because he has a lifestyle of compromise, he lost his innocence. When he lost his innocence, he lost his intimacy and he no longer valued what was his innocence by birth. This is the enemy's plan, is to get you to compromise, to forfeit your innocence, to forfeit your intimacy, to forfeit your relationship with God. So church, I came to ask you this question. What have you traded your intimacy with God for? Have you traded your intimacy with God for some man that will help you pay the bills? Did you trade your intimacy with God for some girl that will help you keep not being lonely? Did you trade your intimacy with God for a moment of self-gratification? Did you trade your intimacy with God for a moment of compromise? What did you trade your intimacy? What did you trade your innocence for? What did you give it up for? Genesis 25:33 says this, so Esau began to despise his birthright. Uh, this is where we are at in America right now. Esau made no attempt his entire life to get it back. Like when Saul lost the presence of God, made not one attempt to get the presence back. This is the church in America where we've lost our intimacy, we've lost our innocence, and we have lights so we don't need to get it back. We have really talented musicians. We don't need to get it back. We have a show. We perform. We have programs. But the people have lost their birthright. The enemy's plan is to steal your innocence, to steal your intimacy. Worship team, come and join me. But I believe that God spoke to my heart that today he wants to restore intimacy and he wants to, to restore innocence. Here's what I came to tell you today. You need to hear me. Don't be distracted by anything right now. Is that Jesus won the war on innocence. I'm going to say it again. Let faith get in you right now. Jesus won the war on innocence. Watch. Jesus came into the world naked through a womb. As a child, watch, he withstood the same attacks on his innocence when he went through the wilderness and was tempted. He, he had sustained the same attacks on his intimacy when he was in the garden of suffering, he, uh, intercessing for you and me. He withstood the same attacks when he stood before Pilate and Pilate said, I see no wrong in this man. He withstood the same attacks when a, a Roman centurion stood there as he's being crucified and said, surely this man was innocent. Jesus won the war on innocence. And he came naked. And he died naked. And he remained innocent. And he kept his intimacy. 
Watch only the one that remained innocent can restore yours. People couldn't figure this out. They said, ha, when I've made so many mistakes, when I've given into the flesh so many times, when I've sold my birthright, when I've sold my innocence, I haven't been intimate with God for years. How, how could you heal me? How can you fix me? How, how could you restore me by, by what I've been through, what I've subjected myself to, what, what I've been abused by, what I've experienced in church? I can never trust again. I can't be innocent. I can't worship the same. I've seen behind the curtain. I've seen too many things. I, 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 I've lived too long. I, I'm struggling, Landon. I don't understand. There was a man named Nicodemus. They had the exact same questions you have. And in John chapter 3, he said, Jesus, I don't understand. Put the scripture up. He said, how, how, how can a man enter his mother's womb and be born again? How can a person get intimacy when they've lost it? How can someone have innocence when it was taken from them? And Jesus said, it's by the Spirit. And the one who makes you born again will make you innocent again. And the one that never watch, forfeited his birthright, who was the faithful son, the second Adam. God in the flesh paid the ultimate price. <laughs> Do you know why you could be innocent again? Because he paid the price innocent for you. Suspended between heaven and earth, perfect. Never sinned. Didn't deserve it. Just full of mercy undeserved kindness to heal you today of your brokenness to heal you today of your abuse to heal you today of your trauma to heal you today of your perversion to heal you today of your addiction to heal you from everything that you've ever been in listen hear this gospel today that he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you watch so that the guilty can be made innocent again this is the good news of the gospel. Please don't hear a loud preacher hear a broken man and a sin just like you because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But if it wasn't for His grace and mercy, we hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 